Thank you, Carolyn. What a blessing. Can you believe we've made it all the way through Galatians already? It's been a great book to go through. I know some of you think I've been in there too long. Just be thankful I haven't gone through Romans yet. This has been a beautiful book. And it has been a wonderful experience going through this. And we're on the last chapter today. This last chapter where Paul sums up the theme of the book, which is freedom. The theme of the book in Galatians is freedom. See, he's writing to people that have recognized the wonderful blessing of Jesus Christ. But they are saying we, but some of them are tempted and been and even gone back to the Jewish way. And so they're saying the, the, what he calls the law. And so he's, he's talking about that. He's talking about the freedoms we have and of course the responsibilities that come along with those freedoms as we, uh, that, that, come along, that we talk about in this passage. And that's why he sums it up. And I love this passage because we read, he says, look, I write this with my own hand and everything is nicely typed out for you. And so you, don't, you miss the whole thing. That whole passage right there just kind of is like, well, okay. We might as well not have that because it's all typed out for you. See, in the Greek, when he was writing it out, see, Paul did not write his own stuff with his own hand. He hired professional scribes, professional writers that wrote down what he had to say. He would get together, he'd put together a draft, and then they'd come together and formulate the final draft, but Someone else was doing the writing. Sometimes it was people they knew, like Mark, and sometimes it was just someone from the local economy. And he would hire someone to do that. That was their job because paper was expensive, writing was paying, and it was. And but here in this passage, Paul is saying it's so important that I'm actually going to even write it with my own hands. And then he kind of makes fun of himself because he says, look, it's so large because I'm not a professional at this, but it's so important. I want you to see that this is me writing down. It's that important, and I want you to see this as we're at the end. And so he says, so he, 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 so he says, you know, so, so he's, he's talking. He said, this is important, guys. This is brothers and sisters. And then he, he, he talks about the freedoms we have in Christ. And what a blessing it is, the freedom. Let's, let's, let's talk about some of the freedoms we have. We have the freedom from doing it all by ourselves. Ain't that a wonderful blessing? I mean, he says, he says, watch yourself. Also, you maybe he says, he says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who who you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, so you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the carry each other's burdens. You are not alone. I know sometimes it feels like we are. Sometimes it feels like, and it feels like we are often because someone has not taken the responsibility they're supposed to have, and when you needed help, they weren't there. Because with the freedom to not do it by yourself means you also are not doing it by yourself, and therefore you need to be there when someone needs you too. We have responsibility that comes with that freedom. But you are not alone. 
I know sometimes we feel like, well, I just need some time alone. Then we all need our, our alone time, right? But the thought of actually being alone scares us. It's horrifying. We're not supposed to be alone. It's okay to be alone for a little bit, but you need that circle of friends. You need that family. You need the... We're not supposed to do this walk of Christ by ourselves. We're not supposed to be alone. We need to be with people. The Christian walk in itself is a shared journey. And in this section, Paul gives us some guidance in our journey. He says we're to bear each other's burdens. He said that's the fulfillment of, of the law of Christ. We're supposed to share each other's burdens. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 26 says, if, su- if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part su- rejoices with it. Another way to say that is things like, if one part shames the group, then all parts are shamed. But if one part is honored, and we, we understand that, right? How many of you have had this, re- this, this, this experience in your life? Where you met someone and they say, you Christians. Or I don't trust Christ because of you Christians. Which means they've been hurt by someone who claimed to be a Christian before. And sometimes they got hurt because of something they did that was wrong or they didn't want to hear it. But a lot of times that's not what's going on. It's because someone who claimed Christ was doing something not Christ-like. And that's why, uh, you know, Gandhi said, I love your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Because if one part shames, then the whole part is shamed. And so we, we, even in that statement, we see this is not a endeavor we do alone. Even you who are in our overflow or you who are online watching this, maybe even by yourself, you are not alone. You may be watching this on your own, but you are not alone. You are walking in this world with Christ. You're walking with, it, with the rest of us. And we're supposed to be together. As I was reading through one of my commentaries, this is actually from the preacher's commentary, I came across this statement. I'm going to read it for you because it was, it was too good for me to summarize. I just I thought it was too good. He says, The Greek word used to describe the shared life of people of God was koinonia. Koinonia. Our best word for it in English is fellowship. But this is too far limited to encompass the meaning of the Greek. Koinonia means sharing all kinds of sharing. Sharing in friendship, being partners in the gospel, sharing material possessions, having fellowship in Christ, sharing life in the Spirit. Above all, koinonia is fellowship with God. That which we have seen and we have heard and proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship. 1 John 1.3 
that life we share with the Father and the Son. In koinonia, we are bound to each other, to Christ, to God. Our life is a shared life. We bear one another's burdens. I thought that was so beautiful. The word used to describe Christians was a bound life together. How many of us think of the, our lives that way? We've become so individualistic that we're like, no, it's me, my decision, my actions, my, it doesn't hurt anybody. Or even no one knows. But that's not how Christ works. That's not how the, the, the gospel works. We are together in this journey. You're not alone. We are bound to each other. Now, too often, we just we say, when we, we, we talk in our modern world, we say, we need to share each other's burdens, or you're not sharing our burdens. We're often talking about financial burdens because, you know, I need money and you don't. But uh, that's not what it's just talking about. Yes, there was elements of sharing each other's burdens financially, but it wasn't just about finances. It was about doing life together in Christ. Sharing each other's burdens. It's more than just financial. It's, it's listening to learn. Learning to listen. You know, none of us are good listeners. We have to learn how to listen. I mean, think about it. How many of you guys had kids? Do they know how to listen? Of course, some of you point to your spouse. I see some of you pointing. <laughs> it's a skill we have to learn in life. It's something that we still, I know I'm still learning. We're still learning how to listen to each other. Fellowship together is listening to each other. And when we listen to each other, we say to you, the other person, you are important, valued, and heard. And isn't that part of what learning to do life together is all about? Is learning to listen and hear the other point of view. Learning to hear what each other are saying. It doesn't mean you don't have healthy boundaries. But we are there for one another in love. We are there honest, willing to listen and share each other. Isn't that what God calls us to do when He says, love one another? Is to be heard by one another. And when we have something, we not just hear, we act on that hearing. But Paul doesn't end there. He doesn't just end with that freedom and that responsibility because we're, we're free but we also have the responsibility of sharing each other's burdens, right? So that's a responsibility and a freedom. But he doesn't end there. He actually says, you're free from what? Comparing yourself to others. How many of you got caught up in that in your lifetime? Oh, we say, well, I don't look at my material. I don't need the house they have. It might be Something like comparing yourself and how they share Jesus.
When we read in the Bible says you don't, shouldn't think more of ourselves, that doesn't mean you are a doormat. Christian humility is not about graveling, groveling. It's about recognizing your weaknesses and Christ's strength. But it's also recognizing our strengths as well that God has given us. You know, we, we just talked about the, the gifts of Christ, right? The, the, the Holy Spirit fruits that are growing. We're supposed to be living a life that breeds fruit. That's what... And as we live a life that breeds fruit, God, out of those fruits, spurns the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember we talked about those already. If you haven't, you can go back and listen to those. Teaching, let them teach. Mercy, let them show mercy. We talked about those. And it's from those you share Jesus Christ. You don't have to compare yourself to Billy Graham. You don't even have to spare yourself to Tom. You don't have to compare yourself to, to, to your spouse. You don't have to t- compare yourself to, the, to Bill sitting next to you. It's not about comparing yourself to someone else. It's about not what gifts they have, Not how they share Christ, but about how Christ is showing himself through you. And we're free from sharing ourselves. We rejoice in that. We don't need to be defeating our, lying to ourselves in that that self-defeat, but rejoicing in ourselves that Christ has made us a new creation. And so we don't need to carry our, uh, compare ourselves to someone else because they are not us and you were not them. Their trauma is not your trauma. You got trauma all your own. You're not alone. And since you're not alone, you don't have to compare yourself with them because you're walking in life together. And what amazing freedom that is to say I'm not alone and I don't have to be like them because they're going to be walking in this journey right beside me. So I don't have to be like them. I just have to walk. I have to take the small steps with Christ. But it doesn't crack, but he doesn't end there, does he? He says, we have the freedom to choose. For whatever a person sows, he will reap. Because the one who sows his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But one who sows the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Now, when we talk to a person of Christ and a person who's not, see, this is talking, if they're talking about life and destruction in an eternal sense, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's it. It's not about how you can follow the Ten Commandments. It's not Jesus Christ plus. We'll get to that in a minute. It's not Jesus Christ plus. It is Jesus Christ. He's the one who saves us. You are saved. But once you are saved, you are not slave to sin anymore. Which means you have the choice to live a life of life 
or live a life of destruction. Now, I'm not talking about if, if, if you live your life in a certain way, even though you know Jesus, he's going to kick you out. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you living your life right now. We're not talking about heaven and hell. Right now. You can choose to live a life that goes towards life or a life that goes towards destruction. We call that sin, right? You can live a life that's following a path of sin or you can follow life. It's not about salvation at that point. Once you have accepted Jesus, the Bible tells us we admit we need a Savior, believe in our hearts, and we confess it with our mouth. That's, we're saved. And this isn't a ticket on it. This is where you, and there are people that say, oh, I spent time with Jesus, but they don't actually know him, right? This is about you and your Jesus, you and the Father walking in life together. You are inherited. You have been adopted into the family of God. And you have the right to choose. Garden Eden. Adam and Eve, right? They're in paradise already. And he says there's two trees, right? There's one tree that they're free to eat of. That's the tree of life. And then there's another tree. He says don't touch it. He actually says don't eat it. He says, well, apparently they can touch it all they want. He says don't eat it. This isn't for you yet. And they had a choice. And of course they get deceived and they say, well, we're going to become more like God. Even though God has already created them in, their ima- in His image, they were already like God. And they said, we want to be more like God. We want to be more God like our God ourselves. We want to be our own gods. That's really what they were saying. And they ate of the fruit. It was their choice though. See, if you're not a If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you are a slave to sin. You're going to sin. You're going, you don't, it says you're a slave. Slaves don't have choices. So I don't know why we get, we as Christians get surprised when the world does what the world says. They're a slave to it. Of course they're going to do it. What should be surprising is when we do as the world does, because we have a choice. We have a choice. And we have the free to choose. We are free to choose. We can walk in the path of destruction. Or we can walk the path of life. But it doesn't end there. He says you're free from the law. Now I like this passage right here. This screams me right hope. You know what that means? It means it's not about Jesus plus I have to follow the Ten Commandments. This isn't Jesus plus I have to go to church. This isn't Jesus plus I have to read my Bible. This isn't Jesus plus I have to. You are free because Jesus frees you. You are saved because Jesus, period. Not period plus, period. Jesus. 
Now, I fully believe that when, with Jesus growing, that we live in a life that produces things like peace, patience, joy, love. We're going to want to be around Christians. We're going to want to attend a, a service of some sort. We're going to want to, we'll probably end up following the Ten Commandments because we know things like killing each other is wrong. We know that putting other gods before him is wrong. We're, so we're not going to, produce, so we're going to end up following the Ten Commandments. But it's not about that. It's not about, oh, you mowed the lawn on Sunday. That is not Christian-like. It's Jesus. It's not about, well, you didn't attend Laughlin Community Church at 1030. That's not, it's Jesus. Jesus And we are free because of Jesus. And he says, he says, says, those who want to make good impression of the flesh, so those who want to get circumcised, do it. Be, they're compelled you to circumcise, but only to avoid persecution. These people are, they only want to get pers- uh, circumcised because they don't want to be persecuted. What Jesus, though, said, he said, if you, you will suffer because I suffer. Now, when he says that, he's not saying, you will suffer. That's a, y'all will suffer. See, I, I'm a firm believer that we should rewrite some of our Bibles to include the word y'all. See, in the, 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 the Hebrew and the Greek, they have a plural you. We don't have that in English. We say you to mean you. No, not you, you. There's, there's, so, so I th- I, I, I'm voting for y'all. We need to start adding y'all into the scriptures. Maybe an all y'all. Um, I'm a firm believer in that because we just don't have that plural you otherwise. And we miss it in the script. When you read the scriptures, you're like you. And they're like, well, what you are you talking about? You, you. See, they, but they knew what you, you were talking about because they had a different word for it. It was y'all. And so, so. So if you do, you start out, get on a group to, to, to translate the Bible, put it in a new, tra- we'll call it the y'all version, you know. <laughs> this is for all y'all. He says, he says so y'all are going to suffer because I suffered. So, don't, so they're avoiding beings, they're, they're saying we're going to follow the law because, just because we don't want to be persecuted. Because the law did not save them, so there was the only reason they were doing it was to fit in with the Jewish group that they were at. That's not being Christ saves you. Not Christ in the law. Christ saves. He's the one who frees us. And what a blessing that is. I'm glad it isn't Christ plus anything else. Because Christ plus, I'd mess it up. I'd mess it up. Christ plus, you have to read the Bible every day. You know what? I've already missed that one. How many of you guys missed that one, right? Like, well, I do it most days, but then there's, you know. Christ plus, you go to church. Well, you know, where's that Sunday I miss church? Christ plus, you have to be humble. I'm so proud of my humility. 
We just couldn't do it. If it was Christ plus something, we'd mess it up. It's Christ. And it's through Christ we have freedom. We are free from the law because it's just Christ. And as we live a life that is about Christ, as we live a life that's about Christ, we're going to be living a life that produces the fruits. As you live a life that, was, uh, that, that produces the fruits, remember we just finished talking about those, love, joy, peace, patience, those ones. As we produce the life that produces fruit, he's going to grow the gifts. And as we live a life that's producing gifts, we're going to grow close. We're going to. I almost said closer to him. I am trying to change the way I talk about that. There's nothing you can do to bring you any closer to God. He loves you. Nothing you can do to make him love you any less. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more. He is there. Now, sin. Now, Sin, you say, well, sin blocks our... No, he hears your prayer even if you're sinning. Look at Jonah. He was at the bottom of a fish, and God was hearing his prayers. He hears your prayers. Now, sometimes we pray out of our sin, and that he's not going to answer. he answer with a no, or maybe a, you need to listen to me. We don't want to hear things. That's on us. But as we're living a life that produces fruit, as he's growing the gifts in us, we're going to want to, we're going to, it's, we're going to be transformed. How are we going to be transformed? Through the renewing of our mind. You are a new creation. When, you are already a new creation. When you accept Jesus Christ, you are already a new creation. It's, like, it's not like, well, I have to become a new creation. No, you are already a new creation. He has made something new in you. What you need to do is transform through the renewing of your mind. I think about this, you know, as I think about slavery, I remember stories I hear about slavery, but it reminds me of abuse victims. I, I deal with abuse victims on a regular basis. And it reminds me of abuse victims. After they get out of the abuseful situation, after they leave that abuseful spouse, whether it be female, male or female, or children, after they get out of it, they have to relearn how to live in a free situation. They have to re they are so used to being abused, they don't know how to live not being abused. And I read stories about this, a freed slave would live like they're still a slave until they realized they were free. Well, guess what? We do the same things. Christ frees you, and he has freed you indeed. And sometimes we still live like we're a slave. And we say, well, I didn't have a choice. The devil made me. You know, I hate, I hate that statement. The devil made me do it. The devil's made me do it. There's a demon living in No. If you are saved by Christ, there's not a demon living in you because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the devil and the spirit, devil and the spirit cannot live in the same temple. Your flesh may have called you to it. The world may have led you to it. 
That devil didn't make you do it. We don't need blaming the devil for everything. He doesn't need to work in every situation. I was watching this evangelist. Every single person in the, in the, in the building apparently had a, a devil inside them because they were casting out demons left and right. And I don't mean to say that that can't happen, but what I was saying is not everyone in that room had a demon inside of them because that's not how the devil works. He doesn't need to be in every single one of us. If you were a Christian, you don't have a devil in you. You have the flesh calling to you. He may whisper to you from so far, but he can't be living in you. That's not how it works. He said, we're free. You have been set free. He says, both circumcised and uncircumcised, they mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation, which he has already made in you. He's already made it in you. May the peace have come to those who follow this standard. Mercy even to the Israel of God, the, the, to, to the Israel of God. May mercy, may peace come to those who follow this. Because you are not a slave. You are free. And we think sometimes, I'm a slave to this. I'm a, no, you're not. You are free. You may have some bad habits. You got to relearn to live that. That's that transforming of your mind. But you are free. And as we think about our next steps, we got to think about what does it mean to live a life that is free? Because that's where a lot of us come, in, come into trouble with. It's not that we're not free. It's that we are still living like we're not. We say, I, I don't know how to take that next step. So all I know is the rules. I come to church because it's the rules. I go, I get my money because it's the rules. But it's not about that. You're free. We come together to fellowship. We come together to learn. We come together because iron sharpens iron. We come together because we're not in this, because you are not in it alone. What a blessing. You say, well, I don't know how, I feel trapped to the law. You're free from the law. I feel trapped to sin. You're free from that sin. You need to repent and transform your mind. Break those bad habits. And yes, it takes work. And yes, you need to do it in a group. And yes, you can't do it on your own. And you know what? You're not supposed to. Too many of us here, we got Rambo syndrome. I'm going to go in and save everyone all by myself. You know what? You can't save anybody. That's Jesus' job. We walk in this together. 
We walk this together. Maybe your next step is, you know what? I am a slave. I have never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You know what? I said I did, but I've never actually been one. Of the, I don't believe it in my heart. I, it's not, it wasn't real to me. It's something I did because I started going to church when I was a wee lad, and they said I should. Or I started going to church because, it, you know what? That's where all the business people were at, and so I made good business contact, and yes, I've heard that. I go to, I'm a Christian because I, that's what my parents are. That's not, that's not how that works. Maybe your next step is, you know what, I believe in Jesus. So I'm going to believe, I want to believe in him. I believe in him with all that I am. That's what the Bible tells us. We need to believe in him with our nephesh, our very thing that makes you you. I confess him with my mouth. And I've met people that confess and don't believe, and I've met believers who have never confessed. Or maybe your next step. You say, you know what, I'm just struggling right now. I need to, to, I'm having trouble following after him because I've got stuff in my life that's just not adding up. And you know what, I'm trying to, I keep thinking, well, it's, it's got to be, I got to be involved in this process somehow. It's, it's got to be something I'm doing wrong or something I'm doing right or something. You know what, you're free from that. Our goal is to live a life that produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Produces love. Produces joy. Produces patience. Produces hope. We're going to live this life. Maybe your next step is you know what, you've been trying to do it all on your own. And you need to get together with a, a group of people. You say, well, I, maybe I need to, to join one of those connect groups, you know, like kayaking and yoga, bowling, stuff like that. They often turn as where we make friends, right? Maybe I, I need to do this. I, I, I don't, I, maybe you're online, and it's not that you know, you're ever going to make it to church. You're, you're in Timbuktu, and you know what? You need to get developed with, with believers there where you're at. You're not alone. And you know what, they're not perfect. and Maybe that's why you're not going to church or maybe that's why you're, this is your first time back in church because you're looking for a perfect church. You know what, you're not going to find one. Because we're just people here. Being transformed through the renewing of our mind. And then we have to be transformed through the renewing of our mind. On an endless cycle as we learn. As we learn to listen, listen to each other, listen to God, as we learn to fellowship, as we learn not to mess up, we break away from that chains of slavery. We say, I'm, you already broke the chains, God. I need to stop putting them back on the hook. Maybe that's your next step. 
Maybe next step is, you know what, I believe, but I've never confessed it. Bible tells us the first step of, of confession is, is, is not shouting it from the mouthtop. It's, it's, it's baptisms. That's what the Bible tells us. That's why it says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a symbol. It's, it's a symbol of the anointing of God. It's a symbol of our death and our resurrection with Christ. Because He's made you a new creation. What a wonderful gift that is. We're going to go to a time